Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing and a long one to left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. One hour down, one more to go. We take you to 8 o'clock. Welcome back in. It is Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Busy hour coming up. Jesse Rogers, national baseball reporter for ESPN, will join us at 7.20. And then Channel 5's Frank Cusimano will join us coming up at 7.35. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. The NLCS officially underway. No outs, top of the first inning, one on for the Phillies as the Phillies and Padres are playing in San Diego to open up that series. I want to say that it feels like Major League Baseball did a favor to the Yankees. It really wasn't Major League Baseball. They were in a they were in a tough spot last night. The rain was coming down. It wasn't going to stop for a while. Do you really want to start game five? Um at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, where it's an, you know, an even hour later than that, uh, New York time, you want to get a big TV audience when uh, you've got the Yankees involved. And who knows how big of a TV audience they had playing it in the early afternoon today. But they, they were just in a tough spot last night in terms of trying to get that game in. But if you didn't hear, the Yankees did beat Cleveland earlier today. And uh, 5-1 was the final score. Nestor Cortez ended up making the start for the Yankees. And he was pretty good. Five innings, one run, three hits, two strikeouts, one walk. If the game would have been played yesterday, Jamison Tyone was going to start for the Yankees. And this is nothing against Tyone, but he lost game two of that series. Like you were, There was a reason when the game got pushed back why they went to Cortez as opposed to Tyone. So that... Not saying that Cleveland would have won if the game was played last night. The Yankees could have easily won had the game been played last night. But the Yankees did receive a bit of a boost. Also, the bullpen situation, the Yankees' bullpen was in a tougher spot than Cleveland's bullpen. So getting this unscheduled off day yesterday, their bullpen got that much healthier for today. And their bullpen did a really good job today. They had four guys go. And they combined uh, four shutout innings, five total hits uh, between the four, including uh, Juan Peralta, who had just pitched, a, a, you know, thrown a bunch, and he closed it out today. So that rain situation helped out the Yankees in a in a big way, where Aaron Savali gets one out for uh, for Cleveland. So it's just uh, that's the way things go. I think a lot of people are kind of rooting for uh, Cleveland. I mentioned this earlier. 
And again, we'll talk about this. I think this will be a subject on tomorrow's show. So uh, we'll probably throw out a Twitter poll and get some response to it and to get some text messages tomorrow. But I do find it interesting. Like, well, As a Cardinals fan, who are you rooting for? Because there's various reasons to root for different teams. Are you somebody that wants to see the team that beat you go on and win at the highest level? Like, Are you rooting for the Phillies to win the World Series? If the Phillies are going to knock you out, then at least lose to the team that wins the World Series? Uh, is it more about the, the various storylines? I, 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 this applies a little bit in Philadelphia, but obviously the Phillies have had recent playoff success at a, at a pretty high level. When you look back at the last 20 years of baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies have had good postseason success. The Padres really haven't in a while. And that's a that's a really good baseball uh, community. That's a good fan group in San Diego. And just to see that group of fans kind of be rewarded with this, I appreciate that. You know, we talked earlier, the, the Cardinals connections to the Yankees, most specifically when it comes to Harrison Bader and when it comes to uh, Matt Carpenter. You, those are two guys that Cardinal fans still love. And you, you got to feel good for Harrison Bader. He certainly, um, he certainly has had a pretty big impact on uh, what they're doing from a postseason perspective. And we talked about that during the year. Like, Bader was injured, and it didn't matter. It did not matter. Because the Yankees were en route to the postseason. All they had to do was kind of play out the string of the year. And the whole idea of that trade for the Yankees to go get Bader was for him to be available for them in the postseason. And he was able to come back late in the regular season. And he absolutely is having an impact in the postseason. And I, I think it was a great trade for the Cardinals. You, They needed, they needed starting pitching. Did they lose something in the outfield when they lost Harrison Bader? Absolutely they did. From a defensive standpoint, uh, they were not the same defensive outfield after Bader left. And from an offensive standpoint, I think you can make the argument that Bader probably would have done a little bit more than what some of the outfielders did for the Cardinals. But the Cardinals have a ton of outfield depth, not just at the major league level, but coming up as well. Outfield depth is not something that you've got to worry about. So you trade from one of your strengths to shore something up. So in no way, shape, or form, as we talk about Harrison Bader and what he's been able to do in the postseason, there's that is not uh, you know, buyers slash sellers remorse on, on that trade. It's just not. That was a great trade for the Cardinals. And for a while, it looked like a very one-sided trade because Bader wasn't playing and Montgomery there for about a month. <laughs> a little bit less than a month, but for a while, looked like the almost the best pitcher in baseball. The Yankees were never concerned about getting regular season production out of Bader. That trade was made for them to shore up their defensive outfield and hopefully get a little bit of offensive production, which they have uh, in the postseason. So you, you feel good for those guys. You feel good for a Harrison Bader. You feel good for a Matt Carpenter. Obviously, the Carpenter story is an even more uh, interesting story when you look at, you know, it looked like his career was on the brink and it gets revived. And he didn't even start the year in the Yankees organization. He got let go, uh, signing a minor league deal with the Rangers, and eventually he finds his way to New York, and it's been really good. And then he gets injured, and he works his backside off to be able to put himself in position to um, to just be available in, in the postseason for the Yankees. The Astros are clearly, 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 clearly the most hated team left 
in the baseball playoffs for just about everybody. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I've got a soft spot in my heart for Dusty Baker. I do. I think he's a really good manager. Um, I I lament the fact that he has not had the postseason success that a manager with his resume and his track record should have. And I, I just from a very personal standpoint, I would love to see Dusty win a World Series. I don't necessarily want the Houston Astros to win the World Series. I don't necessarily want some of those players for the Houston Astros to win a World Series, but I've got a soft spot in my heart for Dusty Baker, to be sure, and uh, he continues to show um, how good of a manager he is, and even in his older age, his ability to uh, continue to uh, relate to uh, younger players. And it's impressive. It is impressive what he has been able to do. Uh, you know, the, the Astros are a very forward-thinking organization, and Dusty's not the same manager today that he was previously. He has been able to kind of merge the two sides together of being that old school type manager while also understanding that the information is out there. And not to go too deep into this, but just I've never I've never ever 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 understood. There's a there's a certain contingent of fans that don't want to hear about data. You know, you you, you use the term analytics, right? That's the there's it's what when we say analytics, what we're saying is data. We're saying information. We've got we can put numbers into uh, an equation, and we can get something out that can give you a very concrete answer. And why there are people out there that don't want teams using the data that's out there, I don't understand. I do understand the idea of wanting managers to maybe manage by their gut a little bit more than they do right now, but. You should you should hold the managing by your gut and making those gut decisions. Those need to be few and far between. You you, you follow the numbers and you're going to have success more often than not because numbers do not lie. Up next, we are going to be joined by Jesse Rogers, part of uh, ESPN, ESPN uh, Chicago. He is a national baseball writer. He'll uh, join us next as we continue on Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Baseball postseason does continue. Just four teams are still alive after Cleveland was knocked out today. Yankees, Astros open up the ALCS tomorrow. The NLCS underway as we speak. Padres and Phillies are playing game one in San Diego. Very happy to uh, welcome onto the program right now. One of my favorite people to be able to talk baseball with. He is Jesse Rogers, uh, covers uh, Major League Baseball for ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Rogers ESPN. Hey, Jesse, thanks for the time. How are you? I'm doing well, just watching a little ball, just got finished watching the Yankees. So, uh, yeah, final four, ready to go. All right, let's start with the big question for Cardinals fans because you are based out of Chicago. There are a lot of Cardinal fans out there that are clamoring for the team to sign Wilson Contreras. Do you think there's much of a chance of that happening? Um, I think there's a chance. I think they're going to be looking around, yes. Um, I don't think he's returning to the Cubs. I'm not sure he'd be number one on their list, though, Um I know it's an organization that, like, prioritizes pitching. We kind of know that. He's more of an offensive catcher than a defensive catcher. You just had one of the best defensive catchers retire. So I'm not sure if they're going to hand over that, that staff to Wilson Contreras or not. But if they do the calculations, they will we'll give up a little defense to have some offense, and he's going to age well with the DH, then that's a different story. So, I mean, I think, I think he's in the mix. Uh, simply because there's an opening, and um, but the, then again, why, why isn't he returning to the Cubs? They don't really have a catcher in waiting necessarily. So the, I think you know these are kind of questions that uh, Moselock and, and the Cardinals brass have to think about. I'm, I'm not sure that he really fits their profile necessarily. Um, I know he would love to have five years, so anybody that offers him five years is going to get him. Um, but he's still going to cost you eighty million over four years at least, and uh, I'm not sure that the Cardinals. Um, would be in on that, but I, I wouldn't rule him out necessarily. I just don't know if he'd be number one on their list. If you were the decision maker for the Cardinals, if you were in John Mosellock and Michael Kirsch's spot right now, how much of your decision making process would be based upon the way the season came in the postseason, or do you look at that as almost a random type of occurrence and you just try to address things as, as you would have anyways? Yeah, I think it's the second thing. Um, you know, everyone's making a big deal out of the, the division winners that had buys and the wild card teams. I don't think these upsets are happening because of buys or anything else other than short series. If you want to complain about something, complain that you played 162 games just to play a best of three or a best of five even. I mean, I think every round should be best of seven, to be honest, but that's a whole other story. I also think that, you know, the playoffs should start like in September. They should shorten the regular season if you're going to have all these rounds but best of three is very random. So, no, I would not react to the playoff loss. I think you have to sort of fill a leadership you know, situation there with, with Pujols, Molina, and, and possibly Wainwright moving on. You know, there's those kind of questions. Like in terms of the, the Cardinals, good team, good organization, sure, you always want a little bit more depth, especially on their pitching staff. Um, you know, Wainwright didn't end the season well. He explained himself on Twitter. The other, I saw that the other day. Um, you certainly didn't have your pit, your pitchers peaking necessarily. Montgomery was was better probably right after the trade than late, right? 
Um, Quintana was really good. That was a little bit of a surprise. But anyway, I, I don't think you have to react to the loss so much. It's a good team, good organization. You're always just trying to be a little bit better than you were the year before. The 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 baseball postseason is always random, and it always will be random. But this year with the three-game series, that much more so. It, I, I don't... I like the occasional upset. I like seeing um, you know, the, the Cinderella every once in a while. But more often than not, I want to see the better teams winning and the best possible teams of the World Series. I've gotten some pushback, honestly, from my listeners on that. There's a lot of people out there that evidently take issue with me saying that, and they just want to see upsets and everything being random. Where do you kind of sit on this and maybe what's best for baseball? Well, no, here's the thing. It, it, we talk about upsets, but are they really upsets? These are all really good teams. I mean, I know there's a difference between 100 wins and 90 wins, but at the end of the day, the 90-win team is still really good. So to me, even with the third wild card, I don't even consider these that dramatic of upsets, especially because you're playing short series. I mean, the worst team in the league can beat the best team in the league in a best of three. So now fast forward to the playoffs where everybody is pretty darn good. Um, you can't tell me the Phillies are so much worse than Atlanta or New York just because they finished in third place. Look at that team. That's a good team. So I, I don't I don't even consider them major, major upsets. And so I guess my point is I don't have a problem with whoever wins. I just don't love the fact that you play 162 and then it comes down to a best of three. It, it just feels weird. You don't really – I mean, the better teams will prevail the longer a series goes. So I don't think it's fair to, to, to force the Cardinals to play the best of three after – you know, winning the division. But that's a whole other story. I don't mind the upsets because I don't even feel like they're really upsets when you're talking about 90-win teams beating 100-win teams. They're still two good teams. The easy answer if you're going to extend series is just get rid of off days, and I know that kind of goes against the way the playoff model has been built, but if Major League Baseball sat there and said, okay, we're going to go 5-7-7 as opposed to Three five seven or whatever they could, they wouldn't have to extend the season that much more if maybe they have just one off day in those seven game series and don't have off days in the five game series and the playoff schedule more closely resembles what you do in the regular season. I don't mind that because I also do like the fact that 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 what what comes into play there is depth of your team, right? Yeah. When we've seen playoffs with the off days where three relievers, two relievers are used. Well, that doesn't really mimic the regular season at all. So I don't have a problem with that. Like the more um, that that's where the better teams will win. This is where the upsets happen. The Dodgers or the Mets are so good for the regular season. But what happens in the playoffs? Your roster gets trimmed down. Who you use, especially on the mound, gets trimmed down. So all of a sudden, you know, Wheeler and, and, um, and Nola are just as good as any top two that you could throw out there. But if you extend it to five starters or four starters, okay, that's where the Dodgers are better than other teams. So if you if you want to see the best teams win, that's where you 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 extend series, you make them best of seven, you you cancel off days, and now you really show who has the depth on each team because playoffs really don't show that they're a different animal. I think we've known that forever but especially so in best of three and best of five. Yep, I'm all in on canceling off days. I don't know if baseball will ever do it, but to me that seems like the uh, the easy answer to all this. 
Jesse Rogers from ESPN is continuing to to join us. There's some really good stories here. I mean, just the fact that the Padres have not had postseason success in a really long time. The Phillies making the managerial change. Uh, you think about Dusty still looking for uh, the you know trying to win at the highest level from a Cardinal standpoint. The former Cardinals who are with the Yankees. Like I just look at these playoffs and here in St. Louis, but across the country as well, it feels like there's a lot of really good stories. Absolutely. I love it. I absolutely love it. I I think I do enjoy teams that aren't there every year. I'm sort of rooting for a Phillies-Yankees World Series. Think about that. How often do New York and Philadelphia face off in a championship situation? It doesn't feel like often, even though they're two great sports cities. Uh, And maybe I've been there, done that with Houston a little bit, right? Uh, They've been there a lot. I wouldn't mind San Diego, but San Diego, New York doesn't have the same flavor as Philadelphia, New York. So, yes, there's always great storylines. Um, I, I think the Phillies are slightly better than the Padres are going to win this series despite not having home field advantage. But in my heart of hearts, I think Houston's going to roll New York. I could be wrong, um, but I think they were going to be they were going to roll them anyway. But especially now that they had to play tonight, and you know everything's a mess bullpen wise for the Yankees. I think Houston's going to roll them. But I would love to see that upset. I would love to see Philadelphia, New York for the for the World Series. But yeah, I think there's great storylines. Machado, you know, it's like if some of these guys getting their due finally, not due, but their chance at a World Series. Bryce Harper leaves Washington. They win the World Series. He's yet to beat a one. You know, Machado leaves Baltimore, big money. Everybody looking at him. Tatis doesn't play, and, and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're on the verge of it all. So I love all those storylines, absolutely. You wrote about the Phillies. You can read it at ESPN.com. I would encourage people to go uh, check out your recent piece. And you dug in a little bit on the managerial change and what happened uh, with that team after they moved on to, to to Rob Thompson. I don't want to steal the thunder from your story and hopefully people go read it, but as you spoke to various members of the Phillies, what was the key difference for that team after the managerial change? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to this, and, and it's it's been kind of Joe Girardi's, um, you know, reputation uh, is just too much micromanaging, you know. Uh, maybe it was good at one time. Maybe it would be good on a different team. But for this particular team, veteran team, Schwarber, Harper, these guys have been around the block a little bit. It was just too much of it. And Castellanos was honest. He's like, look, you've got you've to lighten up. You've got you to, gotta, you know, pull back a little bit. You can't manage every day like it's – the World Series. Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him. He didn't say it exactly like that, but you can see the quotes in the story. Um, they went to a guy that was just more of a relaxed atmosphere. Now, I don't know, maybe in a year or two, the players will be running the asylum there in Philadelphia, and they'll have to go back to a, a guy that Michael manages. But for this moment in time, it's pretty obvious what Rob Thompson did when he came in. He kind of backed off and let this veteran team be themselves, and it made a difference. Um, some One player mentioned, you know, like, the clubhouse is a living organism, and you got to let it breathe a certain way. And and it doesn't sound like Joe Girardi was letting it breathe the right way. It's kind of hard to explain, but I think you know it when you see it. And it's rare we get to see it in within one season. Like you make a managerial change in the off season, and then of course there's personnel changes, and then you come back and you win. You say, well, blah blah blah. Was it this? Was it that? Well, here they made one change: the manager. No personnel changes, and they took off. And I think that proves that managers do matter. The vibe, the culture matter, matters. And maybe Joe Girardi would be right in a different situation, but it's pretty obvious he wasn't right in this situation. And Thompson, a lifer um, who knows the game inside and out, knows players inside and out, turns out to be a success at least right now, and, and the players fed off of him. 
He is Jesse Rogers, covers Major League Baseball for ESPN, Chicago-based uh, writer, reporter. Jesse, thank you so much for your time. Always love talking with you, and hopefully we can do this again real soon. Okay, take care. My uh, pleasure. There's Jesse Rogers joining us here uh, on Sports Open Line. Back-to-back interviews this hour. Up next, from Channel 5, Frank Cusimano will join us as we continue with Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Live on KMOX. We continue to keep you up to date on what's going on in the NLCS. They've gone to the top of the second inning. The Phillies and the Padres game one in San Diego. Currently no score. Very happy right now to welcome on to the program. He is the sports director of Channel 5 KSDK. He is Frank Cusimano. Frank, thanks so much for the time. How are you? Good to be with you, Matt. Hope you're well. Yeah, doing Always good. It's an honor to be on Camo X. I was a former intern there. When, uh, when Matt called, I saw... The number, I can't give out the number, but that's the number I can remember um, sending out to potential guests. And it's that kind of hotline number. I worked at Sports Open Line when I was in college at UMSL my senior year. I remember it well. What year was that? 1984. 85. Okay. I I was three years old, Frank. All right, a little smart, Alec. <laughs> we well, we I, I don't know if you remember me at all. Like I, going back to it, you and I worked together for a little while at KFNS many, many, many years ago. Uh, so uh, it's been fun being back in town and being able to uh, talk to you a little bit of games and, and things like that. Uh, the the thing that I've been asking a lot of people recently, and I'm trying to get kind of grasp my uh, my arms around it. Do we take anything that has happened in the postseason since the Cardinals got knocked out as we look at other teams? Can we take anything that's happened in the postseason and kind of apply it to the Cardinals in any type of life lesson sort of way? Well, look, look, when you haven't won a postseason game in nearly 800 days and you're one victory in your last, you know, I think 10 tries, um, I think you, you certainly have to look long and hard with the way the club is put together. See, I look at this like Final Four right now in, in the National League. Now we're down to – like look at the Padres right now. They probably have – I'd rather have Darvish than any Cardinal starter. Uh, I would rather have Musgrove than any Cardinal starter. And I saw Snell up close and personal about three weeks ago and a lefty throw in 98. That's freaking scary. And then you look at the um, – the Phillies with, with Wheeler and Nola. The Cardinals have very fine, steady starting pitching, but I don't know if they have starting pitching that wins big games in October. Now, there's a possibility that Jack Flaherty becomes Jack Flaherty again, because in 2019, he and Walker Bueller had the two best young right arms in the sport. But I look at these teams, and even like the Dodgers and their best three, the Braves and their best three, I would rather have all of their best two and three than the Cardinals right now. Now, and the scary thing is this, Matt, is because the Cardinals have a lot of good, solid starting pitching, I don't know if they go out there and say, well, we got to get a number one, because they have seven really fine or seven solid starting pitchers. But I don't know if you have those guys that are going to make you swing and miss in October, which is what that's all about. 
the other side of that is starting pitching at a high level is so expensive. You can, you can go trade for it, but it it feels like it's been a really long time since the Cardinals have signed a pitcher like that. I mean, even when you go back to like a, a Chris Carpenter, when, when, when he comes in, he was injured and they signed him to a year where he wouldn't even pitch. It just, I don't know, like from a, from a Cardinal standpoint and the way they spend money, I don't know if we've, we've seen them spend that kind of money on a starter. Yeah. And it's, it's a gamble to spend 30 or $40 million a year on a starting pitcher. There's no doubt about it. I don't think that's the way they're going to go. I think they're going to think, hey, we got seven guys, and we believe in Jack. Walk year of a contract. He can be our ace, and we can be pretty good. Uh, I think the other thing, you know, if, I think you could make, make a case for this, Matt, is that you spend your money at that catching position. We've had below-average offense there for a while now. Why not? I mean, what's the problem with the Cardinals having a 25 home run and getting catcher like a Wilson Contreras? Uh, I like that idea. And the other thing, too, that may separate the Cardinals right now from some of these other teams is the outfield. Matt, think about that outfield in the postseason. You had a bunch of guys with 13 and 14 home runs. Now, you don't win, you know, you don't have long runs in October without a really dynamic offensive outfielder. And I think you have to question what they have coming back at that position right now. T- Tyler O'Neill may come back. Walker of a contract may be special if he's here. Dylan Carlson regressed. Lars Newtbar, 13-14 home runs. So look what, it, look what Philadelphia has out there tonight. They got Kyle Schwarber, who led the league in home runs, and then um, a fellow in right field named Bryce Harper, when he plays right field, who's going to end up with 500 home runs. They need a dynamic offensive player. His name may be Jordan Walker. But look at some of these outfields in the postseason, and the Cardinals are behind them also. It's not a coincidence that a team like the Phillies that are not afraid to spend money and bring in high talent, a team like the Padres who have maybe been the most bold team over the last two or three years in acquiring high-end talent, it's not a coincidence that those teams are in the NLCS. Yeah, and I, I hate the narrative, wow, these wild-card teams, the little engine that could. Wait a minute. One is fourth overall in Major League Baseball payroll, and the other is fifth overall in Major League Baseball payroll. So they spent a lot of money, and now they're reaping some dividends, but they're hardly a Cinderella story. I will say this, though, Frank, because I I don't like the fact that you go play 162 games, and then all of a sudden this year in the playoffs, it almost feels like every single series is a 50-50 toss-up, and what you did in the regular season means almost nothing. Well, it's like the old Billy Bean line, which I'm using tonight at 10 o'clock. It's a crapshoot in the playoffs. And that's, that's certainly the case. But now, could you argue, I don't want to paint myself as a Cardinal basher because I love them and I want them to be great forever. But, I mean, could you argue 93 wins against uh, three teams in the division that were really bad? And while the Phillies had to deal with, say, the, the Mets and the Braves, and the Padres had to deal with the Dodgers, so... It's a little different story for the Cardinals, a a little uh, schedule more conducive to win. And we'll get a better idea of who they really are moving forward because with everybody playing everybody moving forward, you're not going to play as many divisional games. They'll still have more teams against the Reds, Pirates, and Cubs than non-divisional, but you'll have games against everybody. So that should tell us a little bit more of a story moving forward. Yeah, I agree. No doubt about it. Uh, well, before we let you go, I want to talk a little college basketball because I know you love basketball. You look at SLU, uh, you look at Illinois, there's a lot of area teams. As just somebody who loves the sport, uh, how excited are you for this year's college basketball season? Well, I'm particularly excited about SLU. When Yuri Collins finally told Travis Ford that he was coming back after he flirted with Tennessee, 
I interviewed Travis at his house, and he said, you know what? We may lead the country in scoring. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but they have so many weapons. I mean, they have so many weapons that Sincere Parker, who was one of the leading junior college scorers in America last year, is not going to start. Fred Thatch, who's a really good player, is not going to start. They're going to have Javante Perkins, who scored more points per game than any Billiken ever in the Atlantic 10. Gibson Jimerson is one of the 10 best shooters in America. Yorick Collins is the best passer in America. I mean, they are absolutely loaded. I hope Travis lets them play like Rick Pitino let him play at Kentucky. I was in Lexington as a reporter, and Pitino would get upset if you didn't shoot a three, and all they did was run, run, run. That's the way the Billikens should do it this year, and they are going to be one of the best shows in the country. I've talked to Bob Ramsey about this when we've had him on. I, I love the fact that they're they seem to be embracing the expectations. They talk about it. They scheduled in the non-conference in a way that they're really going to challenge themselves. Everything you just said is correct, but sometimes when you're a non-Power 5 team, you almost try to protect yourself in a way. And, and SLU's not doing that. They are embracing just how good they might be this year. Yeah, they, they, they are not downplaying the expectations. They wear a bracelet on their hand every day, and it reads, win the day. And that's what Travis wants. He doesn't want them thinking ahead about the Memphis game or the Auburn game. We're going to win the day in practice today. And I've been to quite a few of their practices. They are going all out. I mean, it is, it is just fun to watch. It'll open up, I guess, next Friday against that power, the University of Missouri-St. Louis, where I play. It's going to be a close game, I think. No, I say sarcastically, but <laughs> actually, Umsel has been a really fine team. Bob Sunville does a great job. They've been to the NCAA tournament now. But uh, that's going to be a fun game. I think I encourage all Billiken fans to get out there and watch them. It's uh, just very quickly because I know you're so connected to the basketball community within St. Louis. You think about the Umzels, you think about the Washus, you think about the ninety ones in the area. My goodness, there, there's a lot of really good basketball being played. Yeah, they re- there really is. I mean, you talk. You just mentioned two teams that go to the NCAA tournament or have gone, you know, quite a bit over the years. So, yeah, I encourage everybody to get out and watch. I mean, I love the Blues. Um, but this is going to be a great winner with uh, Billiken basketball, the Blues, and some of our small college teams are going to have great seasons. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Frank Kuzmano, Sports Director at uh, Channel 5. Frank, thanks so much for the time. Hopefully we'll do it again real soon. Sounds great. Thank you, sir. All right, there's Frank Kuzmano joining us here uh, on the program. Can't talk to Frank without talking uh, a little basketball. I just I think that the, the level of college basketball that's going to be played in the region this year is going to be absolutely fantastic, and it, it probably is led by SLU, and I keep repeating it over and over and over. I, I appreciate individuals, programs, teams, organizations, like whatever it might be. I appreciate the people who embrace expectations because we live in this world, I think, especially in sports. um, We live like, okay, let's, let's apply this to sales for a second. What's one of those terms that we use all the time in sales? It's uh, under promise and over deliver. And, from a sales standpoint, that's great. That's exactly what you want to do. You want to go sell somebody something, and yeah, it's a, it's a good product. It's a good whatever that you're selling, but then you want that person's experience with it to be that much more, and then they'll continue to come back. There are very few areas in 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 life where uh, under promising is a bad thing, but in sports, at times. 
It is. If you've got the chance to be good, if you believe you're going to be good, say it. Say it. And you know what? There's going to be times where like crazy things happen. Injuries happen, flukes happen, lack of chemistry happens. Like there's a lot of reasons that teams that should be good get derailed. It happens all the time. And coaches and administrators and so many people can be afraid that if they try to oversell something too much and then it all goes bad, they're going to look silly. If you're a coach, you're afraid you're going to lose your job, right? Like that's the that's the thing. If you if you really sell something and then fall flat on your face, you might just be out of your job. So it's almost natural to try to undersell something. But I I love people who are bold. I love people who want to say, we're going to be good. And they put in, the, it's not just talk. You got you to gotta do something to make that happen. SLU's going to be good. And they might not be overtly saying it kind of the way that I'm making it seem right now. But what they are doing is they're, they're embracing the expectations that exist. The fact that Coach Ford can say to a Frank Cusimano, we might just lead the nation in scoring, that's not... That's not underselling anything. That is talking about just how good you can be. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely always appreciate those type of things. We're continuing to keep you updated on what's going on with the Phillies and the Padres. They are through two innings. Not only is there no score, there's no hits. Zeros across the board on the box score. We'll uh, continue to talk a little baseball. One more segment to go. We'll wrap up the program next. It's Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. Very intense music coming back. Whoa. Matt Pajeski, who is this? Flipknot. This is the uh, Kevin Wheeler music bed. Okay. Rotator. He uh, He's more into the, the very hard rock than I am. Yeah. That, that's, that's beyond rock at that point. That's that's metal. Just screaming. Yeah. yeah. Not, not really my style of music, but that's okay. We each have our own type of uh, music that we like. At, at some point in time, I think I've been here long enough, I, I should put together like music that I like and we can create the uh, the Matt Pauly music rotator. I don't know how people will feel about that, though. Uh, I, I have an interesting taste of music myself, so we'll figure it out. We will. Uh, all right. So this is interesting. When technology and sports collide, Matt Pajeski, sports producer extraordinaire. If you're on Twitter and you put down hashtag STL cards, what comes up right behind it? The Cardinals logo. If you put hashtag STL blues. The blues logo. Okay. So the Utah Jazz, they have a, their their hashtag that they use is hashtag take note, because you get it, they're the jazz musical notes, in case anybody needed that explained to them. So their long-used hashtag is, is hashtag take note. Well, we have a problem. We have a significant problem. The CEO of Apple, like the people who make the iPhone, Tim Cook, in a tweet on Tuesday, 
he did hashtag take note, which was accompanied by an Apple logo emoji. And um, Apple is now starting to use hashtag take note. So that means the Utah Jazz are now forced into a position where they may have to, and if you go to a Utah Jazz game, hashtag take note is everywhere. That is their slogan. That's what they've been on. But because Apple is coming in here and Apple has just made the decision to take the take note hashtag, all of a sudden the Utah Jazz are in a little bit of uh, trouble because they don't have that anymore. Unfortunately, Apple is our technological overlord, and they make the rules. We use their products. They, I think they get the... Uh the final say they do so the the utah jazz are trying to figure that out uh the owner of the jazz ryan smith he and tim cook are actually friends so that adds another thing onto this so uh their friends cook has sat courtside with smith at at least one jazz game so the jazz need to figure out what's going on i don't see apple retreating on this if if the folks at apple has have said you know what our new hashtag, our new slogan is take note, then that's what it's going to be. So if you're a team, it's it's important to have the hashtag and the and the logo that goes behind it. Like that's a that is an important thing. And I guess there's some people who might poo-poo the importance of it, but the last thing that you want as a team, like can you just imagine the Utah Jazz are tweeting out something, they're tweeting out their final score graphic after a game, and they're putting their hashtag down, and there's there's the Apple emoji right next to it. Maybe they can work out a deal where Utah Jazz games are exclusively on Apple TV+, and then it makes sense that they're using the Apple emoji. Hopefully uh, no major accomplishment happens while the Let's game is... Not. Yeah, can't have, uh, can't have that. I, I thought about sending this tweet out the other day. So the, all the Charlie Brown specials, like Great Pumpkin and so forth, they're not on network TV anymore. They're on Apple TV+. And I got really close to sending out kind of the, the smart Alec tweet of, for any Cardinals fans who need to find the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas it's the same place where Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run. What if Charlie Brown finally gets to kick that football, but it's on Apple TV Plus and nobody saw it? Nobody saw it. Who's calling it at that point? Who's 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 on the call for I the kicking through? All right. On that note, we are going to wrap things up for this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. At your service on the way next, George Sells is in tonight as he'll take you uh, till 10 o'clock this evening. I'm back with you tomorrow at 6 o'clock for Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.